Well, perhaps you'll uh, recall that last week uh, when David covered chapter 5, he sort of teed up chapter 6 for us. And we saw in chapter 5 that there the Ancient of Days on the throne handed the scroll to the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lamb of God that was slain. And what he told us, and what I believe is true, is that scroll contained what would be happening in the church age, the age that was just beyond. Now, it's important to understand what the church age is or what the last days are. We're in the last days right now. Scripturally, the last days begin with the resurrection and the ascension of Christ, and they continue until his return. That's where we are right now. And as we look at the book of the Revelation, it's interesting to note that in many ways it is patterned after the book of Exodus as God judges, if you would, the evil empire of Egypt and its ruler to deliver his people and bring them to himself. He's doing the same thing in the book of the Revelation. Now, as we look at Revelation, there are two words I'd like you to sort of keep straight in your mind. It's always important for me to do it. One was uh, the word tribulation. And tribulation is what unbelief does to belief. It's the persecution of the church by the evil empire of the world, the flesh and the devil. And the other word is wrath or anger. And wrath and anger is what God does to unbelief. If we keep those two straight, remember the framework of Exodus, I think we'll sort of be off to a good start. So with, with that in mind, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Now I watched, and when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come, and I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come, and out came another horse, bright red, and its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be the voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard a voice from the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out in a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell upon the earth? And then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer 
until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. When he opened the second seal, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun, sun became black as sackcloth and the full moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that was being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling on the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, you have given us such a powerful word about you and what is going on in our day. And so this morning, as we ask the question, what is going to happen until our Lord returns? We have your answer this morning, given by your Son, by the power of your Spirit. And we would ask this morning that as you gave it by your Spirit, this day, you would empower the preaching of that word by that same spirit, opening our hearts and minds to hear it and conforming our will to your obedience. And we ask and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we're going to meet the four horsemen of the apocalypse this morning, if you haven't done so already. We'll get a closer look at them and... Uh, just one word about this text. Uh, this text is sufficient for a full semester of Sunday school. Who in the world knows what's going to happen in 25 minutes with a six-point outline? So, by the way, the outline is directly in the text, so uh, I make no excuses for six points this morning. What we need, uh, if you would, is some special music today. It would be nice to have a, a set of timpani drums up here give us a roll of the voice of thunder as the uh, as creatures speak. But uh, we don't have any uh, special music this morning, so we'll uh, trust that the Spirit of God will animate all of this for us today. So, we have the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb that has the appearance of being slain, and he opens the first seal, and as he opens the first seal, we see a white horse with its rider, and the rider has a bow, and he's given a crown, and he goes out conquering and to conquer. Now, this all comes, if you would, in the context of what Jesus had told his disciples in the Olivet Discourse. And in many ways, John was hearing this for the second time. If you're not familiar with the Olivet Discourse, let me just read a little bit for you. Jesus said there, he said, you will hear of wars and rumor of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. This was the beginning. The first seal is broken. 
The rider on the white horse goes out. And as we consider the Olivet Discourse and near the end of it, Jesus says, and this gospel must be preached in all the world as a witness before the end will come. And so as we examine the context that we're in, and as we think of the symbolism of, of white throughout the revelation, and as we remember what God says about his gospel by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter one, where he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. You see, what we picture and what is pictured for us in this first seal being broken in the writer that goes forth is the reality that the gospel will be advancing until Christ returns. It's going out to conquer unbelieving hearts, to make them captive of Christ. It is the gospel that will reach to the end of the world until he comes. And you hear throughout this passage, all four of the living creatures, if you would, symbolizing north, east, south, and west, the face of the globe, crying out, come. And I believe that cry is to the lamb himself to come because in Romans chapter eight, it tells us that the creation has been subjected to frustration for a period of time, but that liberation will only come with the revelation of the sons or the children of God when Christ returns. And so it is this conquest of the gospel that the first seal and the first horseman are looking forward to. And that is what is going on in all of the church age. And when all of those Christ died for come to him, then the end itself will come. And so what, what is the application for you and for me? What is the application for the church? It's simple. Until he returns, our business is the business of witnessing, evangelism, church planning, and missions. That's the mission he has assigned to us. And, and that is our business because the gospel will be advancing and it will not stop until he returns. Now, the second seal is broken. We see that in verse four and out comes a, a fiery red horse and the rider of that horse is given power to take peace from the earth that men will kill one another. Clearly, this red horse is a war horse. A war horse. And what it tells us is that conquest and conflict will continue until Jesus returns. He said it on Olivet, wars and rumors of wars. I find it interesting that when he said that, he said to his disciples, try not to let yourself be alarmed. I'm telling you, don't wars and rumors of wars alarm you? Isn't the evening news almost too much to watch sometimes? And all you have to do to see the reality, if you would, of this is to look at history and current events. As you look at history and current events, what punctuates all the centuries since Christ? It's wars and rumors of wars. Maybe on this past Memorial Day, you noticed a news story about the wall of poppies on the mall in Washington, D.C. It was put there by 
USAA insurance company, and on that wall were 645,000 individual poppies. Each poppy represented an American service person who had died since World War I. And even that wall was erected. The war in Ukraine continues. Civil war in Syria continues. Africa is racked by insurrection and death from one coast to the other. And this is all going to continue until that last great battle, that last great battle when Christ returns to destroy all of his and our enemies. Then they will see the one who is the commander of heaven's armies, the ones whose glory and power is absolutely irresistible. And so the application for you and for me as we, we see this horse and see what it symbolizes and the reality we see in Christ that the one who is opening the seal himself by his life, death, and resurrection has sealed the fate of both his and our enemies. The application is simply do not let the news alarm you. Do not let those who dwell upon the earth and the rulers of this world frighten and terrify you. For there is one greater who rules over them and he is the one who is opening the seals and he is the one who has sealed your life even for himself. And so we move on from that seal to the next. And what we see in the next seal as it's broken, we see coming forth a black horse. And on that black horse, he, his rider has a scale. And this scale symbolizes generally the measuring out of food in the days that this was written in the earlier days. And then there's some commentary about the price of sort of inexpensive grain barley and more expensive grain wheat. And then there's a command not to harm the, uh, if you would, the, uh, the special foods, the oil and the wine. And we look at that in context, and what's that telling us is that there will be scarcity and famine until he returns. That's what Jesus said on all of that, famines. Now, is that really true? I mean, we live in a land of plenty. The reality is the United Nations World Food Organization says that there is 350 million people today currently in a condition of extreme 149 million who are on the edge of famine. Now, as energy has been weaponized in our day, you saw it happening in the war in Ukraine when Russia threatens to cut off the energy supply to Western Europe, they weaponize energy. The next things to be weaponized is probably gonna be food. Why do you think the Chinese are buying up all the all farmland they can? You see Black Hawk Down? If you saw Black Hawk Down, you saw how food had been weaponized in Mogadishu. And so we look at these things, we, we begin to see our world in which we live and we begin to see the reality of it. It's interesting to me. We have a little trouble seeing that reality because of the stores we go to. Whole Foods, we go to the big markets everywhere. We can get anything we want in any season of the year. Nothing's out of season at any time. We can get it and we go to any number of restaurants we want to. I forget the percentage of meals that are eaten out in the city of Dallas, but it's huge. 
Uh, what's the recipe for success for a restaurant in the city of Dallas? Well, the, the success recipe is this. Moderate prices and immoderate amounts of food. That's a laugh line. <laughs> Thank you. David, they got their coffee, but time to give them a sip. Okay. But all that blurs us to what's going on in the rest of the world. But it's important for us to remember that this is a reality in a lot of places. Jesus, in the parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25, is addressing two groups of people, sheep and goats. You know what the difference is. Uh, the sheep say yes, and the goats say but, but, but. And good, they got the second one. <laughs> now, and he says, I was hungry and you do not, didn't feed me. And they say, well, what, where, when, did, when did we see you hungry and not feed you? And then he literally tells them, when you did this or didn't do this to the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. And so when we think about this and the application of this truth to our own lives, we should think a little bit more about what do we do for the ministries of people that feed the hungry? For myself, do I support something like Union Gospel Mission like I should or Samaritan's Purse like I should or the North Texas Food Bank? Those kind of things are worthy of our consideration because of what we have and what is going on and what Christ has done in our lives. So the drama continues as the lamb opens the fourth seal. In the fourth seal, we see the pale horse and the pale horse has a rider whose name is death and he's followed by, if you would, Hades or the grave or the power of death. And he is given that power over one fourth of the world. And what we see here is the simple truth and reality that there will be all manner of death until Christ comes. All manner of death until Christ comes. It's just what Jesus told us in John chapter 10. All this is in keeping with the work of the devil who came to kill and to steal and to destroy. And that will continue to be a problem for this world until he returns. We're told in 1 Corinthians 15 that the last enemy to be destroyed will be death. And death is today our enemy. Every one of us has that enemy standing in front of us. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says, for it is given unto man once to die and to after that to face judgment. And just look at history. Just look at the Middle Ages and the bubonic plague, the Black Death, the Spanish flu of the last century, of the HIV and the AIDS uh, epidemic, of the Ebola epidemic. And everybody here has experienced the COVID epidemic. Now, how could that happen in this modern world? Don't we have control over those germs and those things? The answer is no. We're no more in control of those things than the time the sun rises and the time the sun sets. We might know about it, but we are not in control of it. And so we move on to the fifth seal, the seal that in many ways causes us probably more emotional trouble than all the others. He opens the fifth seal and there he sees the souls of those who were martyred as witnesses under the altar of offering. 
Remember that in the beginning of a revelation, Jesus himself identified himself as the faithful and true witness. The word witness is the word we get martyr from. They're the same ones in the Greek language. And what we see as we perceive who uh, is coming forth uh, in, this, in this fifth seal and what we see here is that the faithful will suffer opposition and tribulation until Christ comes. Jesus said to his disciples, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms. The Lord understands that as we face these things until he comes, until we wait for him, there will be troubling times, but he continually says to us, over and over again, do not let yourself be troubled. I forgot to bring it with me this morning, but I had a copy of Fox's Book of Martyrs, which is a book about this thick, which is the story of martyrs that have died for the testimony of Christ from the time of Christ's ascension to the modern day. And people that study those things tell us these facts, that in the 20th century, 50, in the 20th century, 57 million people died for the testimony of Christ. They're telling us the numbers are huge. They continue to tell us that it runs at the rate of about 160,000 a year. 160,000 people a year will die for their testimony of Christ across the face of the globe. There's a saying in church history, which I believe to be quite true. It is the seed of the church is the blood of the martyrs. The seed of the church was planted at the foot of the cross as Christ's blood dripped from his five wounds. And it has continued to be planted ever since that same way. And so, do not fear. Who can stand? Who can stand? You and I can stand because we have died and our life is hidden with Christ in God. We have been made more than conquerors. Whether we are martyred in this moment or in a decade from now or whether we just die naturally and go to be with the Lord, whatever the case may be, no one can separate us from Christ. To be out of the body is to be with the Lord no matter how it is we get out of our body because what he's done to make us his own. He is our hiding place. We don't have to go to the mountains and find the rocks. We are already in that rock that was cleft. That rock was smitten for us. And we have been hidden with Christ in God. And then we come to the conclusion in verse 12 and following, where we see the great coming, the beginning of birth pains. It is the beginning of the end, the revelation of his power beyond all of our imagination, power that will clearly strike us with awe in every fiber of his being. And so this end of this passage in chapter six signals the beginning of the end for the trumpets and the bowls will follow and they'll lead us to the end in Revelation chapter 21 when the coming of the new heavens and the new earth.
Remember again how Jesus has described that to John. He says, then I saw the new heaven and the new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or pain, for the old order of things will have passed away. When Christ returns, when he comes back, it will all be over. Everything that was wrong will be right. And the question of who can stand will be answered. And we will stand with him among that heavenly multitude because today we stood for him in our lives. We were those who were willing to witness and say, we belong to Christ. Christ died for us. We did not shrink from a testimony of the one who died to give us life. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. For whatever train of difficulty or persecution we are called to ride, the Lord will give us the provision. He will present us, if you would, with the ticket. His grace is sufficient for all of our sins and all of our salvation. So leave this place today longing for the appearance of Christ. Leave this place today encouraged that the one who died for you on the cross, who bore your cross, did so that the cross might bear you to heaven. Be, if you would, of good cheer. Our Lord has overcome the world. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we are prone to fear but we long to be of the good cheer, the hope of life imperishable, which is in you. Give us grace upon grace this day that we might know the reality that we, in you, are even now more than conquerors. Amen.